Hello everyone, welcome back to Collaborative Edges, conversations to inspire initiatives across languages and cultures. I'm Rocio Quispe Añoli, the host of Collaborative Edges. Today, we will have a conversation with uh, Charlie Vela and Ronnie Garza, directors of As I Walk Through the Valley, to be featured at the MSU Latino Film Festival, and Scott Beam, professor of Spanish and Global Studies at Michigan State University and director of the MSU Latino Film Festival. Welcome, Charlie, Ronnie, and Scott. Thank you for having us. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, thank you so much, Rosio. Great to have you here today. Um, um, Scott, I would like to ask you the first question. The MSU Latino Festival takes place at Michigan State University between February 1st, it started um, yesterday, and 4th. Could you tell us the purpose of this festival and the inclusion of Charlie and Ronnie's documentary in it? Sure. Um, so the MSU Latinx Film Festival takes place on campus and off campus, and we're actually screening um, this particular film as I walk through the valley at the Robin Theater um, on Saturday at 7 p.m. Um, the purpose of the festival is to really take advantage of Lansing's good um, film culture and also build upon the film studies program at MSU, which is also excellent and very active. But what I noticed when I moved to town and started working at MSU is that there was a lack, there was a gap to fill. And so the festival's trying to do that. Um, and by, by promoting films from Latin America, from the United States, also from Spain, um, films that deal with issues um, and cultures that often are marginalized within the United States in general, but also in Michigan and in the mid-Michigan area. Um, so that's the general purpose and open up a, a space and a platform through film to talk about some of those issues. And the film um, that Charlie and Ronnie made really serves that purpose. And so we wanted definitely to have a film at this particular moment that dealt with border issues um, because that's such a, such a relevant uh, topic because of the political environment and their film does that. Yeah, those those topics are always important, but this is a especially crucial moment in our, our time. Um, Charlie Bella has spent the last 15 years as a record producer, musician, and a studio owner in the Rio Grande Valley documenting local music and performing. Ronnie Garza is an experimental musician and demo democracy activist, and is working in video journalism related to activism in, activism in Austin and the Rio Grande Valley. As I Walk Through the Valley is your first documentary. It premiered at the 2017 SXSW, you have to explain me that acronym. It's South by Southwest. Okay, thank you. <laughs> International Film Festival and will be viewed and discussed at uh, Mission State University these days. Could you tell us why documenting 40 years of Mexican-American culture and music in this documentary and why now? Charlie. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's given the, the kind of current political climate um, the, the a lot of the conversations we've had about the film are like you know to that to that point why now but really we started this project 
uh, nearly four years ago when we started making the film. It became um, it started as kind of like an exploration of our own history of the of the of the area that we grew up in. But as we got into the the uh, the election, it kind of took on other you know, other dimensions in terms of the conversation that was going on nas- nationally. So um, it, it started as, as, as a more personal regional project and it's taken on kind of a wider dimension. Um, and as we were going through the editing process and watching the election go down, um, you know, that was, that was definitely part of the, the conversation we we're having while we were editing the film. Okay, Ronnie? Um, so, yeah, um, I started doing uh, uh, getting back into documentary and back into film back in 2013 and, and 14 um, with the uh, HB2 legislation in Austin and then uh, the immigration sort of humanitarian cross, uh, crisis that was happening in McAllen in 2014. So um, for, for me, um, in wanting to do this project, it was uh, an attempt to humanize the region. Uh, it's an attempt to shine a light on a, uh, on a facet of the region that was often ignored um, because those two events um, had national spotlight and brought a lot of attention to the valley itself. And even though Trump is in the uh, White House right now, the policies that he is espousing are n- nothing new. And so um, this, this, is, this falls in line. We didn't know that um, it, it kind of reaches this sort of critical mass or mainstreaming of these issues now that he's in office. But this has been building for, for quite a while. Um, and uh, I, I, I thought it was important to, to find a way to talk about uh, our, our people or whatever uh, in a way that wasn't so sad. Because in doing documenting activism, you're looking at things directly maybe some sort of immigration issue or some some other kind of issue that affects people in a very personal way. But at the same time, it otherizes you. It's uh, it's not something that um, the rest of, of the country experiences, but we all make music. And so th- that's kind of the um, one of the uh, differences in approaching it this way is to is to find uh, something that is common, that's more universal. Mm-hmm. I have a follow-up question on that and, uh, from my curiosities. Uh, what about the language? Is this all um, uh, music or when does the language starts changing? I mean Spanish and English and perhaps I don't know if there are other languages in the, in the songs, in the music that is being performed or played or this is always uh, um, or for the most part uh, music in Spanish. No, this is for the most part music in English. Oh, in English. Yeah, and, that, yes. and again, that's the idea yes. is yes. that the the Spanish otherizes us, and and also the Spanish uh, our conjunto music tradition has been covered pretty well. What has not been covered is um, the rock music that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, that that's primarily the language of of most of the songs that you'll hear. You hear a little bit of Spanish, uh, and if we could have gotten some of the. Uh, Native Americans from the region to mm. to do a ceremony. You may have heard something in Cotoname or Comecrudo or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, going into the going into the history. I mean, even even bands that were that on the other side of the border in Reynosa and, and Progreso and, and like the the Mexican border towns, they performed in English as well for the most part because their you know their bread and butter was entertaining Americans who were going there to drink underage or whatever. So all the, you know, the the garage bands and the go-go rock bands were all singing in English, even though 
they were speaking singing in phonetic English, even though they spoke Spanish. Yes, yes, and that is. Um, I was thinking that the, the example I had uh, in my head was the case that it maybe doesn't doesn't fit within this specific um, area territory. Is the uh, Selena that Selena uh, sang in Spanish or learned the songs uh, to sing in Spanish? Even though she spoke English, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is that's that's one of the. Because it's the language is such an intimate part of each of us, you know, to connect uh, with each of us. And I have another anecdotic example that it, it, it's not um, directly uh, related to uh, your work, but it has always fascinated me. Um, in, in Peru in the 1980s and 90s, we had one of the most successful bands of salsa music from Japan. They were Japanese singers uh, uh, playing um, and singing from Japan in Spanish. Right, right. But that's all what they knew. So it's it's that uh, it, from Spanish. Yeah, and there's they, a there's a similar they were, and they were amazing. Yeah. There's a <laughs> similar was, band in the conjunto scene called yes. Los Gatos Japoneses. Yeah. And they they through the tape trading, international tape trading, got a hold of some regional uh, Rio Grande Valley conjunto music. And so they would come and tour through the valley. Uh, you know, and, and and they were kind of like a novelty, like curiosity, just because they only knew the words from the songs that mm-hmm. they were covering. They didn't speak a word of Spanish outside of that. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how music can, it, it, it's such a powerful channel and tool, you know, to um, empower and also to affirm, affirm uh, values and identities and something that is very needed. Well, yeah, uh, since you mentioned the sort of like um, the the Spanish language being intimate and stuff, I I was noticing uh, I saw George Ramos on on like CNN or something like that recently and them talking about making more English language uh, programming because um, people in in our generation, me and Charlie's generation, um, the pressure was to Americanize. The pressure was to learn and not only learn but master English before learning Spanish. That's the experience that so many of us had growing up. And so it, it shows up in the art. And it shows up in the culture, and so to connect with uh, people who are, who have a Mexican American background and experience, like speaking English is and, and making products in English is also important. Yeah, and uh, Scott, could you like to comment on the issue of language? Because I'm thinking also on language preservation. That is something that I work with my colleagues in American Indian Studies. So. I I don't have much to say about the language uh, dimension, um, really, but music I would like to follow up on a little Mm -hmm. bit because it was a very deliberate choice. Um, When we were putting the the festival together, um, we we focused on uh, kind of serious dramas for the most part that are really talking about a lot of social issues um, pretty clearly, um, and some of them are quite sad. we wanted to add something that um, in, involved music in some way. We wanted something that we could use in the Robin Theater in particular. And that space is a very DIY kind of um, space where uh, Dylan Rogers, the owner founder of it, just pretty much moved in, opened up the theater, and didn't know what was going to happen. And it's turned into this great uh, music venue in the Lansing area that's also open to film and and other uh, performances as well. And so when I found out about As I Walked Through the Valley, when we were putting the catalog together, it just seemed like the perfect fit because basically... You know, you come from the same kind of background um, that that Dylan does, I think, and the film itself shows all these musicians and artists who are just 
doing their own thing and creating. And we really wanted to promote um, that through the festival because in and of itself, the festival has the same kind of spirit. There's a line in the documentary where someone says that part of uh, youth is creating your own thing. And Dylan's done that at the Robin Theater. We're trying to do that uh, as well with the festival and the, and the film as an example of it. So I, I think Good. it's great. We have it. Yeah, that, that responds to the uh, next question that I had is was why this film or this documentary in this festival, no, for, for, uh, for uh, why this choice in this festival? And it's, it's very clear. Um, uh, now. now, another question for Charlie and Ronnie. Um, since you now have uh, um, experience uh, doing this kind of work, what advice would you give to young or starting uh, filmmakers or people with aspirations, you know, of, of uh, making documentaries or, and films that haven't done it yet. So based on your experience. Well, there's, there's very low barrier to entry. If you have an idea and you uh, are willing to see it through, uh, those are the, the two kind of greatest components to, to making a film. Uh, we started this uh, project never having done anything on the scope at all and with very minimal equipment kind of learning as we went and um, if you have if you have um, a, a point of view and you have uh, something that you'd like to a story you'd like to tell that you're passionate about it's there's no, there's really nothing holding you back uh, except the time and the and the energy um, and and that it's and 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 also not to wait around for somebody to tell a story that's important to you yes I agree with that yeah um, yeah, same exact stuff as, as Charlie said. And, and also, you know, since ours pertains to history, um, you know, like, uh, for other filmmakers, take time to learn about your own history. Um, because there'll be things in there that surprise you and things that you can draw inspiration from. Um, and, uh, and it could sort of like just give you a different way to see the world. Mm -hmm. How long did it take from the moment you decided to go for this idea until you had the final product release? So uh, we began filming in fall of 2014, okay. and we premiered the film in the spring of 2017, yeah. uh, and it will be finally released in March of 2018. So yeah, we had it. We had it finished in in October of uh, yeah, sixteen. We, we had our first. We had our first cut at the end of October, and then we the cut that we showed at South by was different, even from that. Yeah, slightly different. So it you know it was a very long process, and we did nearly all of it just the two of us. Yeah, I was going to ask how much of a crew did you have? Oh right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very very yes. extremely minimal in terms of a of a crew. Uh, we had some folks come in uh, to help us um, do some drone shots, which was great, and to kind of do some extra camera work here and there. But um, we shot it, very many interviews ourselves. Yeah, edited, and produced edited this whole thing. Yeah, slapped it together. Researched. Yeah, and marketed it. Yeah. The whole thing. Good. So and uh, We approached oh, it kind of like the way, uh, you know, an independent band approaches a, a record. You know, you make it yourself. You have to get people excited about it. You have to go out and tour it. Mm. That's part of, you know, being here as well. Yeah. Sometimes you got to package the CDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I turned that question to Scott because he just finished his first short film that was uh, released for the first time yesterday, right? In the film festival, the uh, um, um, A Dream, um, ref uh, What Happened with... What Happens uh, to a Dream Deferred. deferred. Yeah. So uh, very briefly, because we'll talk more about that in a, in another show, uh, what is... Um, uh, 
what has been your experience? I know you have been several months working on these. Yeah, this was yes. a very quick turnaround. We started yeah. shooting in November, and we had to pick up a little bit more when we got into the editing process about two weeks ago. And we pretty much edited the film in, in three weeks. Um, it's a short film, so it's 12 minutes yeah. long in length. But and now, what, what advice would you give to someone? who would like to do something like that, but doesn't dare to take the first step. Yeah, How I, did you dare to take the first step? Um, I, I would reiterate um, what Charlie was saying. Um, if you have access to cameras, and if you don't think you do, there's probably a way you can find access to it. Just go ahead and, and find it, pick up a camera, and start shooting and learn as you go along. And in the Lansing area, the Lansing Media Center is an, an excellent resource, and uh, they're partnering with us uh, for this particular film. Um, anyone in the Lansing area can go there and use their cameras and their video editing equipment to make a film. Good. That's a great resource. Or, or I mean, even even yeah. just adding on to that, I mean, we shot interviews on our cell phones yep. for this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's everybody has access. Now. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's Searching for Sugar Man. You yeah. know, same thing. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I'd like to conclude this conversation thanking our guests um, today, um, Charlie Vela and Ronnie Garza and Scott Bean. And I would like to invite you to the presentation of As I Walk Through the Valley and discussion with um, filmmakers Saturday, February 3rd at 7 p.m at the Robin Theater in Washington Street, Lansing. And for more information about the Michigan State University Latino Film Festival, visit msulatinxfilmfestival.com. And finally, uh, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Personal Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. I also want to thank technical producer Daniel Trego. Tune in for our next uh, podcast on the DACA short film. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.